guys, you're tuned back in to the Soul Sense Podcast. I am Kim, and I have my trusty wingman, Melvin. What's up? And we have a treat for you guys. We have our first guest host, co-host, G-Money, but his real <laughs> government name is Gerard <laughs> Mills. How you doing, Mr. Mills? I'm doing excellent. Happy to be with you guys. Gerard is a good uh, good friend of 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 ours. Him and his family. Yes. Uh, I probably have referenced either them or their kids at some point yeah, in time. We've talked about uh, you guys. We love while you. we've been on here, um, but um, a great couple. Um, they've been a, a huge support to us uh, at various times uh, in our lives. They were uh, there when we got our car car number one or two stolen oh my gosh yeah <laughs> we went yeah. out to dinner with y'all <laughs> actually gerard oh. studied the bible with me uh, yeah. yeah 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 a couple times oh wow you've been all up and through our lives yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah um yeah gerard is gonna be joining us uh today and uh hopefully here soon you'll hear more from him um he's got a lot of, of of knowledge uh, when it comes to business and you know stepping out there and uh making things happen um which is some of the things we'll talk about today but um yeah uh Kimberly okay okay so you know we have to do our typical what's going on what's going on what's going on <laughs> anything going on anything pressing guys you want to talk about uh yeah um so what has been going on i know i'm like i'm trying to i always draw a blank yeah you know um i can say i actually i had a great conversation today at work so um i work with this guy he's a young guy he's a contractor and um he does uh you know brought him in to do some ui design and, and set up some patterns while we're doing our front end uh, on this software we work I'm with. I said, man, we don't know what that I, is. So, yeah, I'm a software development manager. and um, But uh, I think I've said that before. But anywho. Um, but he's a young guy, right? And um, uh, real sharp. And uh, But, um, like, he is super, like, um, he has, like, this trait of being really introspective. So um, today he asked me, uh, they're having their end of year evaluations and I'm thinking that he's talking about work and now we've had this type of conversation before but um he asked me he was like you know he's he told me he meets with this person like a life coach basically um and it's and it's someone who helps him kind of work on just being his best self and it's not about I mean he's uber successful you know what I'm saying super young and already um reaching a lot of heights in his career but this is all about personal development for him um you know talking about um one example he gave me was um you know he had said something to someone he was having a conversation with another team and the guy made a snarky remark and um going on throughout the conversation the opportunity came forward to kind of prove that guy's remark wrong and prove him right and he took like a little subtle jab at the guy right um, nobody would probably, nobody probably even noticed it or would 
hold him, you know, say he was wrong for it. But he went and talked to the person and he was like, well, how'd you feel about that? He was like, well, honestly, I felt good. And he was like, well, I know it felt good to do it, but how did you feel about it in retrospect? You feel like you put your best self forward or he's like, no. Nah. And so he called the guy and, you know, addressed the, the issue, apologized. And so it's this, this he's working on those type of things. And today um, he asked me if I had some time and uh, just asked me a series of like 10 questions. He actually gave me a link to it. I'm going to um, take a look at it for myself. But uh, it was like these questions, like, tell me what my strength, what, what do you tell me one thing that's I'm strong in tell me one thing about my leadership tell me one thing that's a blind spot for me in my leadership tell me the one thing that gets on uh, under your skin about me and I answered him very honestly and I just was so impressed with this conversation that I was having and I was like man if I was this guy's age what would I be thinking about and I don't think he's like a particularly religious guy or anything like that I, I, I can't say I don't know um but um he, you know, just to be that young and have that much um, self, self-awareness self followed by, because um, it's one thing to be introspective, but it's another thing to be introspective and then take that other step to seek other people's evaluation of you. Because it just, I was just like, man, it, it just makes you so vulnerable. Yeah, I could have said whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? little scary yeah so i was very <laughs> impressed by it i was actually very challenged i was like man what have i i've never done that i mean i, I think i've done you know you do it in, at work where you just ask people for feedback but from from just outside of work just randomly that uh yeah i, I don't think i've ever done that mm, mm. Mm. Mm, what's going on with you gerard um not a whole lot. I mean, it's the holiday time, so there's a natural built-in stress that could be there with uh, family and different events and things like that. But it's not too bad. We're just trying to take take things one step at a time, not get uh, too high or too low. Sometimes we can put unrealistic expectations on ourselves for things to be perfect and, oh, the, the tree needs to be up by this time and things need to be great in this area. But Ultimately, we just need to focus on what is the focus of this season and uh, just kind of slow down. I don't know why we as as adults, as, as teenagers, as whoever, put so much pressure on ourselves when all we can do is just be the best people that we can be. Kind of going back to the point, Melvin, of the guy you're talking about, he obviously has goals. He has aspirations. He wants to get better, not only in his personal life, but his professional life. And he's going about it the right way to get that that full analysis from other people, peers, and those uh, over him as to what he can do better. And it's 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 a humbling thing to do. You know, you got to be very vulnerable because, like you say, you don't know what somebody's going to – how they're going to react. But it does provide an opportunity for you to get better, for you to improve, for you to see those things that are blind spots and work on them. And I think everybody has the opportunity to do that. It doesn't have to be in a work setting. It can be, you know what, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to have a, have a talk with my wife or I'm going to have a, you know, what I like to call adult conversations where you got to have those talks that are maybe not the most comfortable or the easiest thing to talk about, but it's really going to yield dividends in um, your relationship with whatever person you're talking to, whatever kind of interpersonal relationship. If it's a, a friend that you're wanting to grow deeper with, or, you know, maybe a sibling that you're not as close to that you want to be closer to or, 
any kind of family member, I think it could definitely help out. Yeah. You know, but you said so like it's 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 an uncomfortable conversation. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. And you know what? It's our you know, I think it's our arrogance, our pride gets in the way, you know, you don't want nobody telling you about yourself. You want it but you don't want it, you know. Deep down you don't want it. You also was talking about the holidays. First and foremost, I'm ready to be out for the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it all the way 100, okay? I was just thinking about that. I got a whole week off. <laughs> but you're right. You know, it's always find us around Christmas time. Well, this time of the year, the holiday season. Mm -hmm. And then again in the springtime when people start to graduate and it seems like it's so many birthdays and it's like it's it just seems like those are the two times of year where like you're stretched thin and at our church you know that's always when we have special mission and yep. it's like it feels like you're just moving in so many different directions you're going to this party you're going to it's like money is flying out the window too <laughs> so I, you know, I always try to approach, especially still working on the springtime, but around the holidays, I think that we've kind of gotten our footing with, try to get our footing, you know, with like, okay, we're going to do what we're going to do and everybody else can do what they're going to do, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> you know, and prioritizing that, I think for us, uh, um, for those who don't know, you know, at our church, we have small groups and Gerard, his family, they're part, they're in our, uh, we're part of the same group. So, you know, we, we're committed to our group and doing things with our group, but like already, you know, people having holiday parties and what y'all doing? Mm, we got, we doing some with our group. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing some with our group. And if you're a believer, you already should know that we we are planted it with our group mm -hmm. you know and so but i'm looking forward to it i'm ready for relaxation and and and, and all that and and I'm, I'm ready if my kids allow me to rest i'm ready for it yeah that's a that's a big if on the kids <laughs> allowing you to rest mine too i got you know the two at home a nine and six year old boy and four-month-old daughter so if she decides to sleep through the night everything's great but if not you know we gotta gotta take care of that so it does require a little bit of extra energy and that's effort. my bestie that's my that's best friend she don't know we friends <laughs> yet yeah she kind of like me but that's okay that's my be yeah she she like me yeah but she gonna be my friend yeah it's gonna work out yeah well okay let's jump right on in so Gerard, give us like a Cliff Notes version of your background. Just who you are, where you're from, you know. Ain't and got to be Cliff Notes. Where are you from first? Uh, where are you going? All right. So Dallas, Texas is my hometown, uh, the area where we are now. So um, I grew up in South Dallas. Uh, we moved. Well, no, not yet. So. <laughs> Uh, from birth up until age 10, we lived in South Dallas. I have an older brother who's three years older than me. I have a sister who's 13 years older than me. I'm the youngest, not the baby, but the youngest. And um, 
at that point when I was 10, my brother was 13, um, it just kind of wasn't a good situation for us to be in that part of town as far as friends and stuff, uh, not really being the best kind of influence. So my parents decided that we needed to move, you know, to a different area that was going to help just kind of like a fresh start. So we moved from South Dallas to Oak Cliff. Mm. Um, and I mean, that's kind of, I would say where I spent most of my formative years. I mean, you go in, you know, fifth, sixth grade, middle school, high school there. So, um, I mean, we did that. That was, that was fine. Made a lot of friends. Um, really have been, you know, in the Dallas, Texas area my whole life. We don't really do a lot of traveling. Most of my family is here locally. Um, it's so funny because I talk to my wife about this all the time. She grew up different. She's a military brat. I think she was born in Colleen, Texas, but she moved around to Atlanta, to back to Colleen, to um, Temple, and then they lived in Germany for like five years. So kind of some of her formative years were spent overseas in, in Germany. So we'll talk about certain things that happened in the mid to late 90s, and she has no idea what I'm talking about because she just she was out of the country it. at that time. Yeah, yeah, so it's like she just missed five years of culture right there, but we gotta, we gotta, we gotta catch up to speed. The nineties was was good, man. It was good. To summer of ninety six, ninety seven. That's it, it. Was nothing better than that, you know. Melvin probably knows about that one. Used to watch, he, he used was, to watch the box all he was summer old, long. He was older. He was older. Hey, listen, man. <laughs> nobody want to hear y'all. <laughs> young whippersnapper. Yeah, we look young yeah. youngsters. Uh, you went to uh, U- UAT or that's not a school. So I went UTA. to UTA. There we go. Uh, I went to college wow. at UTA. Uh, it's funny because I graduated high school, and that summer I really didn't have any plans. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know me, I'm not a long term thinker, which I should be. Really? But you know, to to my I fault. No. I I think uh, in increments of one pay period at a time, two weeks, that's as far out as I think. But further than that, that's not really me. Well, I will tell you this, though. You may think in one period period at a time, but you're the most prepared one pay period at a time. Yes, you would. This man, (laughs) look, so his wife is, I'm I'm jumping script, but his wife is in the military. She goes, uh, was it last month? Yep. She goes off for two weeks to, to go do her army thing and uh i go um we had like a house church over their house and i look at um this thing and, and i look and it's like this schedule and it's got like burped and this <laughs> and that they got a newborn this man has got everything to a t of like how long it took her to burp how she slept how she this how she that i never felt so uh inadequate as the father in my life is when I picked up that paper. I was like, oh, oh, okay. It's so like that's a what whole other level of parenting. <laughs> like, oh, man. My kid's barely making it. <laughs> hey, it's the difference between talent and preparedness. When you don't have the natural talent or skill, the least you can do is be prepared. Everybody can be on time. Everybody can try to have a schedule. And that's what I did, so I didn't, you know, there was no detriment with with mom being out of <laughs> state for two weeks. Man, well, shoot, yeah. go to fool me, G Money. <laughs> <laughs> well, then it's working then. Yeah. Hey. 
Sorry, continue. You were we were talking about you in college now. Yeah. Yeah. So uh went to UTA, University of Texas at Arlington. Uh, I did not stay on campus. I went there for really four and a half years. I didn't stay on tam- campus. I always commuted back and forth between Oak Cliff and Arlington, which was fine with me, you know, worked the whole time. I didn't really get that on-campus life that a lot of people did, so the whole college experience was a little bit foreign to me, plus our college did not have a football team, which I'd imagine is a huge part of the college life with all the <laughs> things that surround that, but, you know, that escaped me as well. But... um I would say growing up, we were not at all religious. We were not. I think when I was really, really young, maybe like five, six, I can remember going to church. But after that, it just kind of dwindled away. It wasn't a topic of conversation in the in the home. I actually, because of that, uh, I would say a strange relationship with God or anything spiritual. I had kind of a, a, a fear of that sense of authority. I mean, I understood the concept of God. But because it wasn't too familiar, there there was a fear there for me. Um, I would say around my second year of college, I started to come around the church, our, our campus ministry, which is a pretty good size. I would say maybe 25, 30 uh, disciples in the ministry at that time. And I just really liked the environment. You know, it's the same thing that attracts anyone to our family of believers is that we are genuine when it comes to wanting to get to know, wanting to benefit, wanting to help other people. And that's very, very evident when you come to the first church service. Uh, I mean, I would say almost to the point of being a little bit uncomfortable, me being just young and just, you know, stupid, for lack of a better term. You know, you're 19, 20 years old. You're not thinking very straight. All you're thinking about is this is my life. This is what I want to do with it. You know, it's all about autonomy at that point and making your own decisions. And I would say at a certain point with me making my own decisions, with me having worldly, which to me were just regular, uh, you know, relationships with, with different women and stuff like that. And and having a job and being able to come and go as I please, um, I could like I said, I can make my own decisions. But with doing that, I put myself in just bad circumstances where I was like, OK, I lost my job. I lost the girlfriend or whatnot. I had any kind of freedom or any kind of uh, great decision-making ability I had was just kind of stripped away from me. And it was good to a sense. I, you know, I, I never say that I regret any kind of mistakes because it helped me to learn from it. So with me having all those, you know, that freedom to make my own decisions and choices, I saw clearly that, you know what, me doing things my way, leads to something terrible it leads Mm -hmm. to me being just down and out broke destitute there's there's no one who can help me out you know i've I've burned bridges i'm not naturally a loving giving nice person um i think my tendency was to and i don't want to say purposefully be hurtful but um sometimes people can take everything i do and say very seriously and I would never stop to correct them or say, hey, I'm just playing. I don't really mean it. It was just kind of, well, if you took offense to it, then that's just something you have to deal with. But um, around my sophomore year, you know, I was just in a situation where nothing really was going well for me. And I knew I needed to make a change. There was always that constant of the church and those people who were trying to forge relationships with me. But I just kind of gave them the stiff arm because all that love and attention and positivity was strange 
it was foreign to me. And I think like anyone who would come around our church, they would think, okay, what's the catch? Mm-hmm. There's got to be an ulterior motive. Why are you being so nice to me? Yeah. Why do you want to study the Bible with me? I, I have nothing to offer you. So why do you sincerely want to spend time, energy, and effort with me? You know, when you're not used to that, it can definitely make you skeptical. But after a while, it was just like, okay, what have I got to lose? I'm pretty much at the bottom here. Yeah. You know, what is it going to hurt me studying the Bible, learning more about this whole environment that I have, I don't know, maybe an unhealthy fear of because I don't know much about it. I think in my, in my mind and heart, I was like, well, I'm doomed. You know, I'm definitely going to go to hell. I don't know anything about God. I know I'm not living my life for God. I'm living my life for myself. So I, I, um, I took the leap. I got into the studies. It was exciting. It was sobering just to learn so much about who Jesus was, how he lived his life for other people, just that servant leadership. Something about it really, really resonated with me, and I wanted to learn more and more about it. So I studied you know, things on my own in addition to that. Um, I was dedicated to meeting to go into our Friday night Bible studies and a lot of different campus events. And it was just, it was really what I needed ultimately. And I thank God for that because who knows where I would have been had I, you know, continued to be stubborn and hard at it and say, nah, that's okay, man. I'm just, I'm going to do my own thing. Y'all do that. That's not for me. I'm not ready. You know, I have to get right with God before I come to God. Some of those same lame excuses that people use, you know, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not really you know, religious and more spiritual, that's, it's just an excuse to say you don't want to give up control. And that's ultimately what I had to do. And I think what people have to do is just give up that control and give in to God. And it's so freeing when you do that because everything's not on your shoulders mm-hmm. that you have to be the one yeah. to make things right. It's, it's just about surrendering. So um, I did that. And ironically, the... Uh, the young lady I was chasing in the church who obviously she was going to church. I had a, had a crush on her. I liked her. And I told her this, I think my freshman year in college. And she was just like, yeah, okay, that's cool. I, I don't feel the same way. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I, I appreciate the sentiment. Uh, it's flattering, but that's just not how I'm feeling. I think two years later, she was finally like, um, you know what, we, we, we hang out, we spend time together with, in, in the group that we uh, go out in in the campus ministry, and I see things changing and developing and, and working out for the best for you, but you're still not all the way there. Um, if there were any chance that we could have any kind of relationship, you would definitely have to have your own strong relationship with God. Um, so, I mean, that was there, that was understood, and then when I did get a relationship with God and I I got baptized, um, I think maybe some months after that, we'd start uh, dating. And, you know, that woman is is my wife now. So, you know, it's not to say that, you know, if you do, you know, A plus B is always going to equal C. There's always going to be ups and downs. There's going to be bumps with that because Satan wants to throw things in your path Mm -hmm. to say, man, as soon as I start doing the right thing, now this random friend calls me out of the blue mm-hmm. and they want me to go back to my old ways or they're going to tempt me with something that's going to uh, make me make a choice between choosing myself and choosing God. But um, I love the opportunities when I can choose Jesus, when I can choose doing the right thing. It may not be easy at the time, 
but after the fact it is it is beneficial and I, I feel like there's growth I feel like um, I'm truly changing it and that helps me out and like I say it's a continual process I've been a disciple now for 14 years um, mm. it'll be 15 years in April of next year and I mean it's always a process because life brings about different seasons you know when you have kids I would say you know anyone who has kids they know what I'm talking about but anyone who does not have kids it's like looking in the mirror with the things you're trying to do as far as discipling their behavior working on their character everything I'm saying to my nine-year-old to my six-year-old it needs to be a mirror on that forehead because these are the exact things I need to grow in whether it's self-discipline self-control uh, just being nice and, and cordial and obedient. You know, we all struggle in these areas. But, I mean, this is where I am. I'm, I'm so proud and grateful to say I have a great group uh, surrounding both myself and my family to, to help us. They always provide a lot of good advice, a lot of good guidance, and we can learn from one another. You know, no man is an island, so it really does help us to know that other people are going through the exact same things that we're going through yeah yeah so um g money when i met you so what did you go to school for first off so initially i went to school for architecture that first Hmm. semester i didn't know that a lot of people don't because it didn't it didn't last right (laughs) it's uh first of all I, i had no idea what i wanted to do my thank god my sister introduced me to UTA, which I didn't even know existed in the summer. She took me to an orientation, said, this is school you're going to go to school at. So I went there. I just picked something on the list, looked through the A's, uh, architecture. And I just figured, hey, I like. No, I did. Um, I, I figured, you know what, I like I like buildings. I like design. I can appreciate, you know, form and structure and stuff, which I can. However, if you can't draw, if you're not artistic or creative in any kind of way it's probably not a good idea to go out for architecture oh. I, I can't I can barely draw a straight line and there was oh. stuff they wanted me to do I had to buy clay and model some clay and do some contour lines and go to this art store and buy $200 worth of equipment and mm. lug it back and forth to class mm. you know in August in Texas and that's just, <laughs> it's just not fun so the end of that semester I said you know what that's not going to work for me I got from architecture what I could learn. I remember going to my freshman class and the professor, you know, you're in this huge 400 seat uh, stadium seating. And he's like, I'm going to tell you guys something. Being an architect is equivalent to being a school teacher. It's not going to be very lucrative. You have to have a passion to do it. Mm. And I was like, well, yeah, I, I, I picked the wrong thing. So I changed my major to advertising and minor in public relations, and and I uh, finished that out. Okay. So, when I met, when we moved here, were you already like you were? Were you already a teacher, or you were I looking was, to start to become a teacher? I, I was. So, with my wife being active due to the military, we lived in Clarksville, Tennessee, for about three and a half years, Go which off. is right on the border of Tennessee and Kentucky. And she was transitioning off of active duty. I really desired to move back home to Texas. Uh, in order to do that, I had to have a stable career. We had uh, our first son was about four months old at that point. So I looked into being alternatively certified to be a school teacher in Texas. So I took the courses, applied for jobs remotely, you know, from Tennessee. 
got a couple of uh, job interviews, flew down here, interviewed, got the job. We moved down here. I believe that was the summer of 2010, I want to say. Um, so, yeah, we moved back. I was a school teacher maybe a year. What what year did you get here in Texas? 2011. Okay, so, yeah, I just had one year under my belt. Oh, so y'all had just moved down here? Yeah, a year earlier. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? I know that. I knew that. <laughs> That's right. I didn't know you had only been a teacher for just about a year. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. See, so we learning. We're learning new stuff. And so, I was learning on the fly that whole time because just like uh, being an architect, teaching has to be a passion as well. Mm, mm. So the one thing that uh, always um, interests me about people is um, when they make decisions to pivot, uh, especially from a career standpoint, um, you know, as adults, you know, like in when you already have the, uh, you know, family and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so you are not a teacher anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you, so what about a year and a half after that you went back to school, right? It was probably maybe it was a little bit longer than that. I think I taught collectively for five years. Really? Yes. Well, well, you I weren't. Guess it you is didn't. 2018. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it, it was. It was a while. It felt like every bit of five years for me walking oh. in the classroom, <laughs> taking attendance, doing what you got to do every day. But um, yeah, at one point I realized this is probably this is. It wasn't a career move. It was just a, a means to an end for us to get back to Texas. Okay. And I desired to do more. I felt like I'm not utilizing my full self in teaching. It gets to a point where it's comfortable. It's, it's very repetitive. You do the same thing over and over, so you get very used to it. I did not want to go that next level into administration to be like a counselor or assistant principal. I didn't want to do that. So I really looked around and I said, okay, what are some jobs that some people I know do that I feel like match my personality, my skill set, things like that? So a good mutual friend of ours, uh, Dominic Igadosa, he is a, or at that point, he was a project manager. So... I sat down with him, I you know, invited him to lunch and got time, and I just asked him, okay, what do you do, how do you do it, what's the structure, what's the format, why does it appeal to you, and it's something that appealed to me, so I decided I wanted to do that, so I started going after those jobs, and just, you know, trying to transition from educator to almost anything else is close to impossible if you don't know somebody, because... I don't know if it's just people outside of academia, but they may not believe that your skill set in the classroom translates to whatever else. Really? Yeah. So that was a bit of a struggle. So those jobs didn't just, you know, follow my lap because I desired to be a project manager or that that matched my skill set. So I had to go back to school. Um, I went back to school for my MBA. My wife was kind of telling me that she thinks I'd be good at that because I'd always told her, you know, once I graduated, I'd never want to go back to college. I don't mm-hmm. want to do this again. I don't want to write papers. I don't want to, you know, read all these articles and this, that, and the other. You know, I'm not big on studying and all that, but um, it ended up working out. You know, she she uh, kind of did some of the research for me. And she was like, yeah, I think this would be a good fit for you. So I looked into 
uh, the school I went to, which is Northwood University, which was not too far from the house. And just looking at the way their program was set up, you know, you didn't have to take your, uh, your GMAT or GRE, anything like that. They would just pretty much, you know, accept you based on your GPA from undergrad. And it was set up as a cohort. So you start with the same group of people and you go with them the entire two years. And I think that really helped, especially going um, to a building every Tuesday night to a brick and mortar building versus being online. That accountability really helped. But I got to tell you, when I went in, when I went into it, I don't want to say I was terrified, but I wasn't the most confident. I kind of felt like this, you know, this master's MBA, like that's not me. That's that's for people who have these huge aspirations, who are just naturally gifted and very intelligent. I hope I don't flunk out. I hope I don't embarrass myself too bad. Or if it is bad, maybe I can just, you know, tuck my tail and, and exit stays left and no one's really going to notice this failure. But it ended up being the opposite. It ended up being a great opportunity to uh, for me to learn a lot of things about myself. I learned things from my cohort about myself that I really didn't know. It kind of speaks to, again, what you were talking about, Melvin, with your coworker. You get that full 360 degree analysis because you can only see so much even of yourself and your own ability. But you get other people that tell you, hey, did you know that you're you're really good at, at being a coach or you're, you're a really good encourager or you have great insight when it comes to reading articles and dissecting something deeper that other people didn't see. So that was edifying and that that really helped me. So um, if you don't mind, I want to back up a little bit and, and dig into it. Um, so. You're teaching, right? Yep. And um, you start to feel un, you know, I guess unfulfilled or um, like you like you should be doing more. Like what what? How how did that look for you? What what made you? Were there some aspects of the job or, um, did it just? I mean, what what did that look like? Did did that produce? Yeah, no. Basically, what did that look like? That's a good question. Um, I know at the time I felt it greatly. Now it's, it's you know, time has passed and it's kind of fuzzy. But I think it looked like, I, I guess I wanted my everyday structure to be different than going to work and beyond the actual work and productivity you're doing, you have to exert a lot of energy and effort into classroom management to getting the kids to do the right thing, to helping them to understand what is the daily routine, what are things they need to do just to function. I mean, I taught seventh grade pre-AP math, and I don't know about you guys, but going into the seventh grade, there's a lot of other things on your mind. And then pre-AP math. Yeah, then, you know, the math where you go from numbers to now you want to throw letters and, and algebra in there. Hey, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at, you know. Billy and Susie and Johnny, I, I'm, I'm concerned much more about my friends and what this new teacher is saying. And I mean, with those challenges, there were successes. So it's not to say that it was a bad situation completely or anything, but I just felt like there's got to be more I can do from a leadership standpoint uh, or just from a standpoint where I can uh, progress, I can grow and not just do the same thing. Did you ever feel trapped? Like, did you feel like there was an out for you at all times or... Or did you have to work up to, to that point? I think there was probably an out, but it would have been me uh, trying to excel in in the realm of um, education. So anywhere else I was going to go, it was going to require an advanced degree in order right. to do that. 
or just, you know, you had to spend a whole lot of time doing it and rub elbows with the right kind of people. And, you know, like I said, I, I'm not a good long-term down-the-road thinker. And I also am not a huge fan of um, networking, which is so important. I mean, mm-hmm. that's it's like don't hear me say that and think that's not something you got to do. You got to yeah. do it. Everybody's right. got to do it. I just don't really enjoy it and don't really go after it myself. So I am – Johnny Jones and I'm at my job and I'm feeling like, and this isn't it for me. Um, what would you suggest I do? What would be the first, I guess, step for, that you would say to do? Um, I would say, okay, just, you know what, keep it simple. Sit down. I want you to write yourself a list of your pros and cons of what you're currently doing and then what you hope to do in the future. Hopefully you have some kind of goal or aspiration as to what you think is going to be more fulfilling for you. Um, most of the time people know that, you know, I don't know where I want to go, but this thing I'm doing now is not working. Well, really ask yourself, why is it not working? Right. And is there any aspect about what you're doing currently that's probably going to show up in another realm or in another um, job? You know, if, if you're really not a big fan of, of banking and all the different things that come along with that. And then you say, you know, I'm just going to switch completely. I know friends who work in it or in programming, let me switch to that. And then some, you know, you get over to the it space and the programming field and you say, you know what, there's the same kind of politics. There's the Mm -hmm. same kind of corporate structure that's here. Mm -hmm. What am I doing? Well, you really just got to do a SWOT SWOT analysis of of what's going to work out for you. So you don't end up in the same kind of situation. You know, that that's a good, um, that makes me think of, you know, sitting down and actually thinking about like what it is I don't like about the job that actually helps you with your next move really because it could be you like your career, but you don't like your current role. You know okay. what I'm saying? Like you can like, let's say, I don't know, let's. I'll I'll use just teacher. You could like teaching, but maybe the district that you're in, you may not have the support or Hmm. the school that you're at, the principal doesn't advocate for the teachers, whatever it may be. And you may need to make a move to another place. If what you're saying doesn't work falls into that, that category. True. Or it may very well be that, the whole thing just needs to be thrown away. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> we just need to throw the, way, the whole career away. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, one one thing you said about like it, looking at what you have now, like w- really writing it out and thinking about what I don't like about it, what aspects will be carried over in any profession. I think one thing that comes from that besides, you know, just evalu- evaluating everything before making a new plan is you also have to take a minute to evaluate like that there i can't remember the scripture now but basically it says whatever you do with a little bit is what you'll do with a lot right Mm -hmm. and um i think uh before you make a move or you assess a situation you should sit back and make sure that you are doing all that you can do um in your current situation, even if you don't like it. And, um, I think that that's an important, 
important things so that when you decide to move over, you can move kind of like with a clean conscience, especially spiritually speaking. I've, I've touched on kind of some of the stuff with my job situation before. I, like Gerard, uh, changed completely uh, just my career path in the middle. But I know that, that spiritually I had to get to a place. Mine was a, a, a much more maybe difficult. I had to do a lot of self-reflection basically um and i was very unhappy in in my job i mean it was like affecting every part of my life and i was trying to be positive but really i um it, it just i just couldn't shake it and i got to a point that um you know once i i had gotten to a point that i had gotten some clarity on things it was it became really obvious to me that like i had allowed myself to give not give my best at work because of how I was feeling mm-hmm. and um once I, I and that's something that I've always had a conviction about it's like man you gotta give your best regardless and once I reaffirmed that and uh made another dedication to like I'm gonna go in here and give my best it made the path for me way clearer you know what I mean so I think um one aspect to to like I said what you said about evaluating your current situation pluses and minuses i think a piece of that is also evaluating what you're bringing to the table um because before you think about you know pushing on somewhere else you got to make sure you are in the habit of giving your best Mm -hmm. so melvin let me ask you a question where did the conviction to give your best no matter what no matter the coworkers, the management, the structure of the organization, where did that focus, that drive, where did that come from? Is that from a spiritual aspect or just how you were raised? I think it's a combination of both. I think it um, really started from something that my my mom uh, and dad kind of put into me. Um, my mom would just always say, like, you know, she 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 always made this example of I, I don't care what everybody else is doing. I do what I do uh, because I got to look at myself in the mirror. And my dad, maybe not so much did he say that, but he definitely demonstrated that. Like he just always worked really hard um, and, uh, you know, was always an example of of effort. And like I said, my mom, again, she just that was like the thing that she lived by. And I think for me, um, I always that just always rung true whether I was doing it or not. It was something that always sat in the back of my mind. It's like, why are you working hard? You know, are you, uh, are you, mo- what motivates you? Are you motivated by somebody being over your shoulder? Um, are you motivated by um, money or by reward? Or are you just motivated by the thing? You know, like I, at the end of the day, even if no one else finds out, can I look in the mirror and say, you put in a good day's work? And uh, I think as I became more spiritually aware that that uh, that lined up with with scriptural backing, you know, work as if you work, do everything as if you're doing it mm-hmm. unto the Lord. Um, and, and I think that that for me, that's like my calling card, man. And that's a way that I can, you know, it's like a barometer I have for myself. If I'm starting to slack off at work, then I'm probably not doing the best spiritually either um, and vice versa when I'm really thriving spiritually then I'm killing it uh, in my job so yeah that's kind of the the root of it for me Hmm. you know um, 
you know, I think there also has to be, it needs to be pointed out too that, you know, because it's, it's different strokes for different folks. And depending on, you know, everybody has their own personal situation. But, you know, there is a difference between where there needs to be, there's a time to move to, to another situation or there's a problem with contentment, you know. And I think all of that needs to be explored, you know what I'm saying? You got to vet it all out because it can be like what you said, Gerard, like you can move to a whole nother thing and be like, wait a minute, this is the same exact thing that I left, mm -hmm. you know? And I, I, I know for me, like I have to like, I hate that I have to admit it, but I have to like remind myself that like, for one work is work. <laughs> it is, it's not a hobby. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not, a, it's not going to be enjoyable like a hobby because at a hobby, you can do it whenever you want to. You can't do work whenever you want to. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So it's work. You know, God, there's many, especially in the Old Testament, you know, in Genesis, it talks about like that, that is because of Adam and Eve, we have to toil over the land. That is our lot. Yep. So we know we have to do that, you know, so. I think going into a situation with the right perspective that like, okay, it's not going to be like rainbows and unicorns at this place. So being very clear that, you know, we, we have a, a task at hand and I know for me, like, I, you know, I guess maybe that's for everyone. I have to constantly like revisit contentment, you know, and even I was even sharing with Melvin just the other day, like, you know, as our kids are, getting a bit older they're still young you know I just one day just woke up was having a quiet time and was just thinking about like you know it would just be so much beneficial it would be more beneficial if like I had a job where I worked at home and I work for such a huge corporation where I mean they have many different departments so like I'm like oh I can be like you know I could do case management at home or I could review charts or you know and I could be building other stuff doing other stuff but I could be working from home and all that stuff so I started praying and asking God like I literally was asking God like God please show me what direction I need to go to and everything and go and I'm reading through numbers and it's this is how the spirit works so I read and I'm going to read this because I felt like this was God telling me you need to sit down somewhere um number 16 uh and starting in verse 8 and I'm actually in the HCSB translation and it says Moses so I'll give you a little background so at this point in numbers they're wandering in the desert okay still and um you know, the Israelites have this cycle where they complain, you know, maybe a plague will come because they're not being disciplined and they're not being obedient. Then they'll repent. God will forgive them. So they're doing all, it's a cycle. They keep, and they've done this multiple times already, you know, and they're wondering they're in the, in the, in the wilderness. So there is a man from the Levite clan that comes to Moses and basically tells him that like, hey, well, our whole congregation is holy. Why do you exalt yourself over everyone else? And so that, of course, burns God. His anger burns against this man. And so 
Moses goes and talks to this man. And so we're picking it up there in verse eight. It says, Moses also told Korah. Now listen, Levites, isn't it enough for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the Israelite community to bring you near to himself, to perform, to perform the work at the Lord's tabernacle and to stand before the community to minister to them. He has brought you near and all your fellow Levites who are with you, but you are seeking the priesthood as well. Therefore, it is you and all your followers who have conspired against the Lord. As for Aaron, who is he that you should complain about him? You know, and so this man had rallied up about 250 other people to like, basically tell Moses, like, I mean, who are you? You know, we could do what you do. We chosen people too, you know? And so Moses is telling them like, y'all are the Levites. Like y'all are set apart from even the chosen people. You're the chosen of the chosen. And, you know, for me, I took that like, okay, Kim, you're asking for a, a job, another job that you could have more flexibility. These were the words that I was using. I could have more time for my family, but I'm neglecting the fact that, Kim, you already got a job that has flexibility. Are you using the be- are you using what you have to the best of your ability now? You know, you're asking to be exalted higher and you're not even taking what you're doing seriously, you know? And so for me, that's, my struggle having to, I like, I feel like God always has to correct me in that and give me better perspective. So that I wanted to share that just to give a differing perspective, because you may be that person that, you know, you may not need to leap. You may need to check your perspective, you mm. know, but then again, <laughs> you may need to leap, you know, we're, <laughs> you know, it's, it, we just want to put all those perspectives out there. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I think uh, I remember kind of when you were going through, um, like, looking at, at moving on, and uh, I know we had a couple conversations, um, and it, one thing that has always impressed me with you is your uh, your approach to, to things like this. I, I never, I always, anything you do, I can tell that I, I'm, I'm pretty confident that it's always gone through with a lot of thought and planning. It's kind of like the, uh, I don't know. It's like the, I, I always, it's like a joke in my mind. Like I always know like when the meals are hosting something or doing something and like, a, let's say we have something over our house, you know, we had a kids playing, we'll have, you know, I got energy for days. I'm going to play with the kids and all that kind of stuff. But if we go over to their house the kids are going to have like some kind of craft, especially if G money is over it, they're going to have some type of craft. They're going to go home with something. And, you know, that's kind of like your approach to life. And I think that that's, that's super important. Um, tell me some of the things that went into um, you planning out. Uh, because again, when you made this, this leap, um, you had kids. It wasn't, you know, it it wasn't like you didn't have anything to worry about. Um, how how did you kind of start to approach plotting this thing out? Hmm. Um. I think at that point, um, I was just singularly focused on how can I be effective with the NBA program. How can I make sure that I put my best foot forward? 
with everything that I did. Um, it's kind of like uh, the whole analogy that a lot of people say, you know, when you, you, you go off to fight a war, um, you burn the boats when you get there. There is no turning back. There is no safety net, anything like that. What I'm doing has to succeed. It has to prevail. And that's kind of the mindset that I had, knowing that I had to put it all in God's hand because this was not something that I was naturally gifted at or comfortable with. It, it definitely was ordained by God for me to be put in that situation and be able to succeed. So just uh, yielding to God, knowing that, again, I had to take it one step at a time, one course at a time, take from it what I could, and just continue to try to apply in those different areas to, to go after my goal. And just because, you know, I had a strong passion or desire to do a certain type of job doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that, that God feels the same way, right. you know. Uh, sometimes that strong, you know, desire, that prayer, you've been praying for months, maybe even years, sometimes the answer is no. And it could be no over and over again. But we got to understand that all things work out, you yeah. know, for the good. So even though I really, I felt like I really, really wanted it, it was not in the cards for me to be a project manager or work in that space. So I had to kind of pivot again and do something uh, in aspect of being a, a corporate trainer. So an aspect of teaching, obviously not in a school district, but uh, just teaching adults how to work with different systems and applications, but utilizing what I learned with the MBA program to instill that into my daily work and and what I did. And um, it's funny because when you try to slow your life down, have that right perspective of everything I have I don't deserve everything is a blessing you know the things I, I come in contact with it reminds me of you know Kim something you were saying with the kind of mindset and perspective we have on what we do it's it's so interesting because I mean we're so blessed we have options you know we live in a large metropolitan area where if we wanted to switch careers that opportunity is there yeah. there's plenty of people they live in small rural communities. Uh, maybe they have a lot of barriers to entry in, a, in, in different um, fields, whether it be education or it's just a saturated job market or whatnot, that even if they're qualified, they wouldn't be able to, to do that thing. And with doing that, if you are restricted in that area, you, you kind of just have to participate in some positive self-talk. And that is, you know, the things that you are telling yourself that I'm going to be grateful, you know, for this position. While God has still blessed me to do what I do, I'm going to try to be the best at it. You know, Melvin, like you were saying, I'm going to try to put my best foot forward and make sure that I'm giving my all in what I'm doing. And I'm even going to try to be a benefit to other people, to my coworkers. I remember uh, at a number of different jobs I've had, it's, it's, it's not hard to find people who gripe and complain and have something negative to say. And it's like instinctively without me even uh, really going after trying to do this, I would be the positive person. I would say something uplifting or beneficial when they complain about going to work or having to do a certain task. And they, you know, <laughs> it's like you still got like a, like a sore thumb. They just turn and look at you like, man, why you always got to be so positive? <laughs> we over here trying to be Debbie Downer. We, we trying to, you know, have our we pity party. Yeah. And you coming over <laughs> saying something beneficial and uplifting. But I mean, it's it's 
I think it's worth it. It's necessary because, you know, where we are can always be so much worse. And you just got to have that right perspective. I think uh, <clears throat> like on weekends when I hear people say, oh, you know, I'm having fun now, but got to go back to work on Monday. I'm like, no, you use the wrong G word. You get to go back right. to work on Monday because there's so many people that wish they could be starting a job or going to work on Monday. So the perspective is it's so important not to lose that, to always try to have that appreciation and, uh, you know, thing, things will work out. Spiritually, like, so just kind of tell us, take us through, like, the layers spiritually that, that you went through because, you know, now it's hindsight, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So now it's like, okay, I'm on the other side. But when you were sitting in the classroom and you started to feel unfulfilled or you were starting to feel, I don't know, a myriad of emotions, uh, overwhelmed, angry, feeling like, okay, I don't have the patience that I used to. Yes. You know, like it, it starts like that or it can start like that. So what were your spiritual layers as you worked through that? Do you, you get what I'm saying? Like, your process of how you work to it to get to where you're at now. I think the biggest thing I had to do was lean on other people and realize that I cannot do this on my own. Let me go and talk to some older brothers in the church who have maybe experienced different times of frustration or when things are not going the way they desire for them to be. What do they do in situations like this? Because if left to myself, I can allow frustration to get the best of me, and that wouldn't be beneficial for myself, for my coworkers, for my students, and, and all those things. So I had to figure out the right kind of way to work with it. And I went and sat down, and I think I had lunch or, or just a hangout time with a brother in a church named Don Murray. He was just like, you know what, something I do, I, um, I, I write down, I physically get some index cards, and I write down scriptures, and I try to memorize them. And I'll keep them in my shirt pocket and just multiple times a day, I'll take out that scripture and I'll read it and it'll just help to calm me down. And again, give me that perspective. It'll help me to grow in certain areas so I don't allow frustration and everything to get the best of me. Um, One of the ones, I don't know if he suggested this to me or if I just came upon it myself. It was probably something that he suggested. It's in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 13 says, no temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And just that middle part of saying, you know, you're never going to be tempted beyond what you can bear. Um, we don't know how much we can take when it comes to stressors of different kinds, whether it be in your marital relationship with any kind of interpersonal relationship at work or whatnot, you, you don't know how much you can really do. You may tell yourself, man, I'm tapping out. This is too much for me. I'm tired. You may not want to do it, but you can endure it. You know, God's not going to put more on you than you can endure. I think prime example, you know, with you guys, you just came back from running a 10 K. Is that yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You, you, your body's going to tell you certain things or your oh, brain's yeah. going to tell you certain things at some point. Like, Hey, when yeah. you get to that, that, uh, that next stop sign, just stop. Just, yeah. it's okay it's, to walk. It's okay. 
that's what your that's what your brain's telling you, but your body can do more, right? Yeah. So I mean, what are some some aspects for you guys to where you really felt like, okay, this is my stopping point, this is my breaking point, this is all I can do, but somehow you were able to to push past. In terms of work it, or in terms of just life in general? All of the above. I can go I think the parallels I, I always think that that's why I really love running. Because I feel like it is such a great parallel to life, you know what I'm saying? And so, and, and I, and you can take a lot of life lessons from it. So, like for instance, like when I'm physically running, like I can say to myself, you know, for one, I'm very self-aware of where I'm at. You know, you are tired, but are you tired? Are you, is your body fatigue or internally are you tired? You know, like, is it just you got to, you know, because you'll hear a lot of people say if you get past the first mile, you'll be able to coast for a little bit. And then you're, you know, because you burn off, blah, blah, blah. So, like, being very self-aware of where the stressors are coming from. Okay. You know, because you do want to make sure you're not injuring yourself. But when you get tired, you know, of course you're, brain is telling you you should stop well I trick my brain and it's kind of like in the scripture that says you beat your body and make it a slave so I'll tell myself okay if you get to that building up there and you're still tired then you can walk well then a lot of times I get to that building and I've already forgotten that I'm tired so then I go okay well then since you went here well keep on if you get to that gas station then you can walk and you would think that your brain will be like (laughs) i know what you're doing here but you're not (laughs) you know what i'm saying and then you start to think then your mind gets stronger and you start saying okay well really i probably wasn't even that tired altogether if i was able to run this far so i might as well continue on and you know and so that's how i look at just endurance and life in general a lot of times you're in the midst of something and you want to stop you want to give up you know what i'm saying but it's like okay let me make it through the day you know like i made i i got upset with my husband and i snapped on him or i snapped on a coworker okay let me go back let me deal with that. Let me let me apologize and let's get through the day. And then you get through the day and you're like, okay, well, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Let's try to make it a better week. So that's, I guess, I don't know if I'm making sense, but that is kind of my mm-hmm. parallels. That's why I love running so much because it parallels with life so well. So for me, I can, I can kind of speak towards um, even in the realm of uh, just, just a, uh, professionally um i think the first thing i try to do is uh you know i try to bring myself back to reality right so i could get i go through these phases sometimes i could be the most confident person in the world and then other times i could just feel like i'm at the mercy of of everyone around me um you know like i could feel like i have to stay in line and take certain things so I don't upset the the status quo and and that just makes me feel you know just deal it hits my insecurity or, or whatever and um but when I get to feeling like that um or when I feel like you know 
low on hope or whatever, then I, the first thing I start to do is I try to start to trace my spiritual steps, you know, think about how far God has brought me. And I think about like, um, you know, what impossible things God has made happen in my life. And then I start to think about, you know, who am I before God? You know, um, I think we can be afraid sometimes as, as Christians to, uh, proclaim our self-worth. And we, um, I think that we underestimate the, uh, danger of insecurity in our lives. Right. So, um, you know, going through and, and making sure that I'm uh, like looking at, at what I've accomplished and what God has brought me to and the talent that God has blessed me with, the skill that God has blessed me with. And then as I go on, I start to feel, you know, more and more like, man, I'm worth it, you know. And then my next step is to think like God cares about this aspect of my life. Cause that's, I think that's the other thing, like a big barrier for Christians, um, is we almost feel like it's unspiritual to care about like your job, you know what I mean? In terms of like mm. wanting to, to grow and have aspirations. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I've heard this said many times, like God is not concerned with your job. He's not, you know, what do you, you mm -hmm. know, go to work. God's not concerned with that. And I don't think that there's any, that, that's so unbiblical. Like this, this scripture I, I carry in my mind. This is, um, in, uh, Ecclesiastes three. Um, it says, uh, wait a minute. I'll start at nine. It says, uh, what do workers gain from their toil? Um, I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. Um, he has made everything beautiful in his time. He has set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the, from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat, drink, and find satisfaction in their toil. This is the will of God. You know, I, I pulled two things from that. First off, the fact that God has set eternity in man's heart. I, I can't proclaim to understand that totally, but the thing, way that that comes across to me is like God has set it into our hearts to dream, right? Mm -hmm. To push. But with the understanding that as much as we dream, we cannot grasp what God holds. You know what I mean? We can't grasp the breadth of God's uh will or desire or whatever for us and the next thing that i take from that is that like all we can do in this life is all we can hope for in this life is to do what's right and it says to eat that each of them may eat drink and find satisfaction in their toil this is the gift of god so it is god's gift to me to be able to enjoy my toil if i'm at work and i am miserable every day then i am not taking advantage of the gifts of god this is not god's desire for me now that may mean a, a a lot of different things that may mean i need to change my attitude and open my eyes to the blessings like you guys said like open my eyes to the blessings that god is giving me 
and and take advantage of those or it may mean that I need to uh, find something different that that aligns with the eternity that God has placed in my heart with the dreams and the the aspirations and the skill set that God has blessed me with. Um, but either way, would it, however you take that, the thing that we can't uh, that we can't debate is that it is important that you are enjoying your toil. It is extremely important. And it is a very spiritual matter that has to be addressed spiritually. Like I said, what that means for each person is different, but it is important. So if we're waking up every morning and we feel miserable at our jobs, then we have to address that. Like you got to start thinking about that and take that extremely serious because it says this is God's gift to us that we can eat, drink and enjoy our toil. And there's different uh, translations that say it even more poetically, but it's all the same thing. So I, I, for me, those are the things that help me overcome is I deal in truth and I just start breaking it down in layers. And once I feel like that, once I got that piece, then I, I was like, wherever I'm at, whether it's me staying in this job or moving on, I know that, that God's will for me is to find joy and God's God has made me worthy. So I don't have to be afraid to move on if that's the case, but you know, and then I just feel energized after that. I feel like, with all those pieces pulled together, like I can push, you know what I mean? It gives me more strength and I can push forward in whatever it is I have to do. Well, let me throw something out there and y'all tell me what y'all think about this. And I, I, I mentioned it briefly to Melvin before you came, Gerard, but you know, we're here at the end of the year. And we're, we got the new year approaching and you know, what do people typically do, you know, make new year's resolutions Mm -hmm. and and new goals for the year. I mean, I've already started to see it. And uh, today I was taking a walk and I was just really thinking, and this is going to be something that is probably not the most popular thinking, but it's like, it's almost pointless to to put out these goals that we put out and hear me out on this I feel like we as believers or people in general we lower our own bar for ourselves like we I realized because I was thinking about things that like I want to accomplish in 2019 and I had noticed that You know, I've gotten to a place where it's like, okay, overall, I know the general idea of what God wants me to do, but I'm really allowing him to figure out the details of it because I feel like if I try to make the details and put the details into place, I'm really going to make shrink down really what the blessing is going to be. You know, where we know that God can blow things out of the water. We can't even imagine the things that he has for us. There's so many promises. And, you know, there are things that have happened in my own life where I have, like, made a goal for something, thinking that that was, like, a long-term goal, but then it ended up being accomplished as, like, a short-term goal. (laughs) And it's like, so what's next? And it's like, you know what, God, I'm going to let you do this. 
So that's why I say it's almost pointless to plan to a T these goals that we put out. Not to say we shouldn't plan. I'm not saying that. But it's almost like really more so focusing on what direction does God want you to go in and committing to that lane. Mm. And that's it. You know, listening, you focusing on listening and obeying. And that's it. Like, and just, you know, because if you're listening, he's going to tell you what move to make. Mm -hmm. If you're obeying, you're going to do it. (laughs) And that's it. You know what I'm saying? So if he's telling you, you should quit your corporate job and you should go this, you should do it. And it's a test of your faith too, you know, or if he's saying you shouldn't quit your job, you should stay here because I need you to be a light here, Mm -hmm. you know? And you'd be like, well, how can I be a light? I'm going to tell you when it's time for you to know when you need to be a light. <laughs> yeah. You know? And that's it. You know, I think that we try to put ourselves too much into the driver's seat when we start. And I think really when I say it's pointless, it's that we forget how big our God is. We forget how magnificent and majestic he is. And as I was walking, I was just like, I saw the progress that I have because I'm such a type A person where I'm just like, I want to plan everything out. I need to know what my next move is. And I was like, wow, Kim, you are very comfortable in like the unknown. Like, Mm. you know that God has told you to do this, but that's it. That's all you know. (laughs) You You don't got no answers prior to that. So my question to you guys are, Just what do you think about that? Like the goal setting and the, you know, and all that. Like, have you, have you guys started to think about your goals for 2019? You know, I mean, you said you don't know nothing past the pay period. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I, I would say for me, I mean, intellectually, yes, I can understand what you're saying that it would behoove us to think more strategically versus tactical. We should not be so low level and looking at the minute details. Those things will work itself out. We just need to be aligned with God and being willing to follow with uh, what he's instructing us to do. I think that's a great thing. It, It probably comes natural for type A personalities, but my concern is like, like I've always I've been told by everybody like you are just so nonchalant you are like so <laughs> extremely laid back and sure that can be great in some situations but it can also be to a fault to a point to where it's like man now you're just kind of stagnant you know you're not really moving you're not making a decision in one way or the other so I'm, I'm just wondering like for me no i'm not a resolution person i'm not a a huge goal person i'm an idea person but now when it comes down to how are we gonna get this done what are the steps we're gonna put on paper that is a challenge for me um it was great that when i was in grad school they give you a syllabus they lay everything out these are the things that are due if you do it you get this many points participate in this you get this many points at the end you hope to gain as many points as you can you know in high school they lay everything out this is your list of classes you got to go to do x y and z you succeed when you graduate or when you're going to as an adult you go out there on your own and you want to be an entrepreneur you have your own business 
you have to make these decisions yourself. You have to be sure of what direction you want to go in. For some people, that's great. That's freeing. They love the ability to, you know, kind of direct their own path. But for others, myself included, that can be daunting because I'm just a little hesitant and gun shy as to what exactly do I want to do in 2019 or, you know, what that that next career move is going to be. I, I do like, Melvin, what you said in a sense of we need to enjoy, there needs to be enjoyment in the toil and the work that we're doing. I mean, how often does someone ask you not, hey, what do you want your next job to be, but how do you want to enjoy your next situation? What is your plan for enjoying whatever work you're doing even more, whether you are in education, you're in a creative space, you are in medicine, how are you going to enjoy the work that you do? Like, that's not a, a talked about concept. Right. Yeah, no, yeah, it's not a talked about concept. Um, yeah, no. All right, well, what about you, Melvin? You, have you thought about your goals and I mean I've already started to see it people like we got to start vision board planning and smashing our goals and um, <laughs> you know you know me Kimberly I am <laughs> I do brother um <laughs> so that's probably part of my problem is like I'm a conqueror right mm. um but I could be a conqueror that's just always at war so what I mean by that is the one thing that 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 Kim has brought kind of to me is more of a sense of direction, like setting, like being, like uh, identifying goals, setting them and working towards them, as opposed to like, um, what is that? I like the idea of like I don't even know if I'm using this right, but like fighting windmills, like going out like Don Quixote and just looking for different adversaries to to conquer like different things that can be a challenge for me um that that's how my mind works is I look at everything I mean if if you guys could be in my studio right now you'd see the um remnants of the (laughs) many challenges that I have seen and tried to attack whether it's playing the drums playing a guitar playing the key whatever it may be like that's just my attitude is I I don't know the meaning of of impossible sometimes and that works out good with with me um like i'm always i'm very rarely just stagnant uh i'm normally like (laughs) working towards some goal or working towards something but uh at the end of the day i end up being like a uh pretty good at a whole lot of things but not mastering any so um this this year I've tried to pivot on that that's a long way of saying I'm trying to pivot on that um I've set a couple of goals for myself um but they're not like really solid like I want to um gain some type of certification um and uh I want to make some moves into um just putting some of these uh ideas that I've been uh, working on here lately and putting together some proof of concepts at work. So um, those are really my my big goals. Um, a lot of the goals I've had have surrounded, I want to take the podcast um, to another 
plateau, I think, to another level. And um, but yeah, those those are really. Were you asking like literally concrete goals, or were you no, asking? No, not something? necessarily, but because I'll give you an example. So my older old me, few <laughs> months ago, few months ago, yeah, I'm the type of person I'll have an idea and I'll run with it. You know, I'll plan it all out. I'll have an outline, a diagram, and I'll start researching and find a Facebook community and and all the <laughs> I I do it all, you know. And then but I don't take time to ask advice. I don't take time to talk with God about it. And I would find myself have done all that work to basically fight against resistance because that ain't what God told me to do to begin with. And I would be crushed. So then what I have realized here recently is that there have been some things over the course of about a year or so that I know God has told me to do one being with our platform with soul sense one being with me being a nurse practitioner, a project that I want to do there and it was really bothering me that everything for the podcast was kind of moving forward, but everything for nurse practitioner was not. It was kind of just at a standstill. Well, I just realized that it's not that it's not, it's not that it's a no, it's just that it's not right now. And I'm okay with that. And having to work through with this may be something that needs to be, that needs to be accomplished two years from now maybe next year. And so God can give you many different visions and ideas, but I think we get so, I know for me, I get overzealous and I just want to go tackle it all. Right. Instead of asking the next question, well, God, what would you have me to do from this? What do you want me to do? What is my next step from this? And right now it's very clear where he wants me to put my energy and for a minute there, I was fighting back. Like, well, I want to do both of them. Oh, I don't want you to do both of them. I need you to do this, get this established. And then once that get established, we'll establish that. You know, like that, that's a good point because, and we can start to wind down, but I think, um, you, I think we were praying together and, and I think it was, either you shared me with me this or you told me this, but the idea of just praying to hear the voice of God, right? Being able to be attentive to the voice of God. I can't remember. We had this conversation at some point in time, but um, the thing that I, I, I took away from that is like, when I mean, we got to be, we got to be like agile. You know what I'm saying? Like being able to like have our peepers open to the things that God has in store for us. Because we could get so focused on what we think the way is or the the best way to go about this, that, or the other that we miss. And we get frustrated when we're not seeing victory in those mm-hmm. areas that mm-hmm. we're missing, like, these huge opportunities around us. Mm-hmm. I do think that that's something God has really helped me out with. We're the negative of, of me, you know, like being a conqueror type of person has is that I could find myself never mastering anything i think the benefit of that is being able to uh like see opportunities that god presents um 
a lot of times, as long as I'm thinking clearly, it, that has always been something that has benefited me is being able to see opportunities instead of see. So like, let's say at work, we, we lose some people, right? And now there's just all this work out there and, you know, everybody is seeing it as like, man, this is crazy. You know, we're not getting these things done. Well, the way my mind works is, oh, this is an opportunity I see. I'm about to jump on this so I can make myself more it's of a... time to shine. Right. That's how my brain works, man. And that has boded well for me in my career, my no matter where like I have it. been. Like, I very rarely dwell in, like, the negative aspects of Ooh, something. I look at, like, how... Okay, why, how can I parlay this opportunity to grow? And not just for myself. You know, as a manager now, I look at it for my team, like okay, how can I parlay this into an opportunity for one of my guys to, to be able to seize this as a moment? Because that's really what life is to me, is just like if we really believe like God's got plans to prosper us, then our only job is to be on the lookout for, you know, making sure we're on the way. Yeah, where are these opportunities at? Because mm. um, we may be like on a perpetual mission to mess up God's plans sometimes. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, my mind is not wired like that. Yeah. And you said peepers. <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep your peepers. Well, okay. guys, do we have anything else? Any other closing remarks, comments, questions, or concerns? I'll just add uh, one thing to what you guys were saying about that because I'm I'm not there either with having that right mindset and perspective when the opportunity presents itself. I can – get frustrated a lot of times I'm all about you know the the with them the the what's in it for me before I expend that energy and effort you say with them with them it's the acronym for what's in it for me and it's like um it's like okay before I do this or go after this certification or this that and other what am I gonna get on the back end Uh because I've put in stuff before and it hasn't manifested the way I want it or in the time I want it and I have to keep going back to the description Philippians uh, chapter four, which is one of my favorite. Oftentimes, our favorite scriptures are the hardest ones to adhere to with our character. But um, Philippians four, uh, six and seven says, "Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus." And it's really the part that talks about transcends all understanding. I have to get over the desire to need to understand or know the full plan. I really got to get over that and surrender and just be willing to obey and not just say, hey, you know, the whole show me the paper for the show me the caper. Mm -hmm. I got to be able just to trust without knowing what the end is going to look like. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I love that scripture. And you just told me a new acronym. I looked it up. That's a real thing. It's a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, guys, anything else before I sign us off? Um, No, just uh, we really appreciate you uh, coming through G-Money. We didn't get to get through uh, everything. Um, I I definitely want to uh, have you and your wife in here. Um, Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, man, uh, definitely enjoyed it. Um, 
But no, that's all I got. You guys are too kind. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. All righty. Well, guys, you've been listening to the Soul Sense Podcast. You have been listening to Kim, your host, my trusty wingman, Melvin, and our guest co-host, Gerard. And thank y'all for listening.